on the way to great medicines, Vicente, with your host, DC Radical One. Greetings, Black family, and welcome to On The Wake Up Radio. I am your host, DC Radical One, and you have entered the center. Shout out to our wonderful producer, Cindy Ashby. You can check us out on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio at On The Wake Up Radio. Also, you can check us out at otwtube.com that's otwtube.com and that of course is the platform that was founded by our wonderful producer Cindy Ashby and as you all know we have a special guest on deck man he'll be up shortly after a few quick announcements and some acknowledgments because I know y'all don't want y'all can listen to me on any Sunday but I know y'all want to hear who we have on deck so uh let's see of course our wonderful producer is here lord Vale, first one in the building which i already knew that before then you got ripped off uh again peace to lord Vale, bb for oda sister Vanessa. uh you got ripped off say digging the new intro appreciate it fam hopefully um they don't try to uh give me a copyright strike because i paid for access to that music but we shall see before the straight black pride to uh brother elijah and greetings to sister poetry oh okay and be before the to i allen peace and black power to brother patrick and a bb for hodier to a bb for hodier man and also greetings to unique one express so i think i have everybody you know, I notice now we have special guests. Everyone shows up before on time. We're not going to take that personal. Just making an observation. So, um, as y'all know, I'm a member of the Straight Black Pride Movement. And the Straight Black Pride Movement was founded by Brother Irritated Genie. And um, a lot of y'all and a lot of other people have been asking, Man, where's Brother Genie? What is Brother Genie doing? When are you going to have Brother Genie on? So forth and so on. So, um, you know, I listen to the people. And we're going to bring the people what they've been asking for for a long time. So, I'm not even going to delay. I'm going to bring the brother on. Hopefully, that uh, hopefully you got all his technical issues worked out. And I'm going to bring him on right now. Now, <laughs> brother Jeannie, beef ODA. So, what we're gonna do, brother, we're gonna talk for about an hour, and then what we'll do, we'll take uh questions from the audience and um for anything that we haven't covered. But and there's a lot of things to cover. First things first, just ask the basic question. Uh, one, I don't know if people know, but you were yanked off of all social media. <laughs> Um, let us know when that took place and um, what you think was behind that. Uh, you know, it's so interesting you asked that question. I, I don't know if people remember, but I was doing very little live streaming early in 2020. And I just had this sense. I said, you know, 
this is before George Floyd. We were looking at the things that were going on. The the uh, I call it the Fauci. I don't call it the COVID nineteen. We know about gain of function now, so I'm gonna just go ahead and call it the Fauci. When that came out, we were trying to figure out what was going on, and I was really taking my time to say, let me really see what's going on. And the long story, making it shorter, um, by June, after the George Floyd thing began to happen, the murder of him, Aubrey, George Floyd, after NFAC came out, I began to uh, really pay close attention. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be cautious in going in here because I, I began to see what was happening. I began to see the overthrow of the Republic, where it was coming from, what it looked like. And I said, okay, I'm going to do a few programs, but I'm going to space them out. And I'm also going to get our own forum, our own, uh, something that we own so that we can stream live on our own. I made this decision in June of last year because I said, there's no way with what they're doing that they're going to be able to allow me to continue to go out here and put this information because I can read right through what they're doing. I can tell people real time. And if that spreads, they won't be effective. Kind of what we did originally with gay lesbian movement, you know, called Black Lives Matter, when we informed people what it was, how they collapsed. Well, when they brought them back and resurrected them with the murder of George Floyd, they said, OK, I, I knew what we could do. I said, it's not hard. We, we, we can deal with this. We can let people know what's going on. We can show them. But my spirit told me, you know what? They're not going to let you stay up here. Now, they hadn't started censoring like they, you know, began to do after that. But uh, I knew it was coming. So we, we planned. I put in a lot of money into building our own infrastructure, the Straight Black Pride Movement University, where we'd be able to stream live. Uh, and it was supposed to be done by September, but I didn't realize how hard coding is, how difficult it is to get something like this up and running. And so we're just getting it up and running now. Uh, it's been a year. But nevertheless, by July or so, that's when they said, this guy's got to go. Because we were giving them point by point instructions to our people of who it was that was behind the whole resurrection of uh, the gay lesbian movement they call Black Lives Matter. We were showing them what the real objective was as it related to Trump. We were telling people, you know, um, you know, we were informing people that there's gonna, they're going to try to do a mandatory vaccination. We were, we were doing a lot of different things that we were sharing with people. Um, we were showing them who the bad guys were. But, but I was doing it very cautiously because I knew it was coming. And by June, uh, July, I think it was, July and August, they got rid of me off YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere. And I knew that it was intentional. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. They did a really good job because when they got rid of me off of Facebook, you know, I had actually had two private pages and I had the Irritated Genius Southeast page, my fan page. The fan page had multiple people who were administrators. They got rid of me, all of my pages, so I couldn't go in and do anything on my fan page. But then the other administrators who had done nothing, they didn't even they weren't even posting. They got rid of them off of Facebook as well. So what that meant is. The Irritated Genius Southeast page still lives. So people don't know that I've even been taken off Facebook. They've been sending me messages, but guess what? I can't even get the messages. I don't even know how to look into the messages. And they're probably monitoring that. And people don't know because the page still exists, but there's no new post. And that's because they, they wiped me off. But they kept it up there, I guess, I'm assuming, 
so that people would just assume I'm still there but not posting, but also so that people could send messages and they could go back in the back end and look at those messages and kind of see who this guy is, what's going on, and get as much information as they can. That's that's my guess. That is interesting. <laughs> and I've I've seen some of that on Instagram with um some brothers where you see them and then you don't see them, but you see that their page is there, but they aren't posting anything, and you don't realize that that page is not functional, and they got a whole new page, but you can't find that one. So yeah, I've seen those. Uh, I've seen some of those shenanigans on Instagram as well. So you mentioned the Fauci, and you mentioned uh, Black Lives Matter, and of course it's interesting because a lot of information is coming out now. And suddenly the, um, you know, everything's opening up and uh, the pandemic's over, you know, as soon as it seems like to me. And then you correct me if I'm wrong. Seems like as soon as uh, the senator and I can't think of his name right now. Um, Rand Paul. Rand Paul. Seems like as soon as he started asking questions, you know, everything started opening back up. Hmm. And of course, we have Patrice Colors and her million dollar home and things like that. Can you get into those two, those two subjects and how you see those? Like you said, you talked about, you know, we talked about uh, gay lesbian movement since I don't even know how long ago it was now. But just talk about 2014. those two issues. 2014, right. Thank you mm -hmm. for correcting me. So can you talk about those two issues real quick? Uh, basically, the gay lesbian movement, I mean, it was a... Actually, it's a tradition of the Zionists, the small hat, the white so-called Jew. It's a tradition. When they want to do something for themselves or when they want to do something to harm the Anglo-Saxon establishment in this country, they use black bodies as the battering ram. They did this. Uh, doing brother right before brother Garvey's time, actually, uh, with the NAACP. Then they used that NAACP as a battering ram against brother Garvey, and then they used it uh, against a battering ram against the white Anglo-Saxons to release the pressure from the Anglo-Saxons' resentment of the small hat hegemony and overthrow of the country, moving in with the Federal Reserve and things of that nature. They did it again in the '60s. When you had people like Robert F. Williams, who was arming the South, uh, you had, of course, you had the Nation of Islam and Brother Malcolm and Osama um, Elijah Muhammad in the North. And you had a militancy that was running through a vein of militancy and, 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 and self-sufficiency running through the entire nation. And so they began to uh, almost pretty much kidnap Dr. Martin Luther King, who was a strong brother, I mean, to be honest. Uh, you know, we have a lot of issues with a lot of the positions he took, but quite frankly, before they sent Bayard Rustin in, which is another tactic they use, really is a, is a gay lesbian movement, it's a Black Lives Matter, gay lesbian movement tactic. You send black-skinned homosexuals, homophiles in, you send them in to connect with black people who have true interests and capacity. Dr. Martin Luther King was a great speaker. He could really move people. Uh, the young brothers and sisters in uh, Ferguson, they had a powerful movement on the ground. People like Brother Darren Seals, my good friend. I love that brother. Peace be upon him. The strong young brothers and sisters, they did not know how to organize, but they surely could mobilize. 
and they knew that they weren't going to allow the murder uh, and the execution of Mike Brown to go without resistance. So they were they were mobilizing and they were doing a great job. And just like Dr. Martin Luther King, who was a great orator and a, and a committed man and a strong man and who helped with the Montgomery bus boycott and, and did a great job of leading that. They sent in a buy arrest in here. They sent in a gay lesbian movement and they created the civil rights movement. And just like that, that then they created this movement. <clears throat> uh, Black Lives Matter, they call it that. But they steal the energy from real movements. They steal the Mike Brown movement. They steal the freedom movement. See, people don't know Rosa Parks, according to Body Shots, the information he gave us, Rosa Parks was a Garveyite. She grew up with her grandfather reading the Garvey paper to her every night. So she believed in our people. She was a warrior. Those brothers and sisters, brother E.D. Nixon, who was the leader down there in, uh, I think they were in, in uh, Montgomery, uh, Alabama. These were not a bunch of cowards. These were some fighters. Dr. Martin Luther King was the orator. You know, he didn't use profanity. He knew he was the statesman. So they said he can represent us, a young man, vibrant family man. But he, he had some soldiers down there that he was representing. Those were not turn the other cheekers down there. Uh, people get that mixed up. That wasn't the civil rights movement. That was the freedom movement. These people were about freedom and they would go through whatever means they needed to get it, but they wanted to do it in, in, in conjunction with the spirit of the South. Very similar to this. These young brothers and sisters in Ferguson, they weren't a bunch of wild out militants or whatever you would want to call it. They were young people who witnessed their brother get murdered and executed in plain daylight and said, we're not going to tolerate this on any level. Our brother Darren Seal said he saw brothers every day after the murder of Mike Brown, who, you know, he used to, you know, he was out in the streets. He had said, I had shot at them. They had shot at me. We tried to kill each other. He said, now we brothers shaking hands, talking about what we're going to do to get justice for Mike Brown. My point being, their masters had taken real energy of black people and using it as a battering ram to push the homophilia, but really to push whatever their agenda is at the time. And so that's pretty much um, what I would say about the Black Lives Matter. It was just a, a it was a, a more uh, well-financed, sophisticated version of a Bayard Rustin. They take this homophilia, push that up front, this time it's the agenda, give them money and words and like money. That's why we see uh, police, uh, Patrice callers, got a million dollar house now, I'm sure if we looked at the other ones, uh, Opal Tometi and uh, uh, Alicia Garza, I'm sure we would find something that we would find nefarious. Uh, it, it's all about the process of pushing, right now anyway, pushing the homophilia on black people, destroying the culture of black man, woman, and child, and breeding in a culture where there's complete control. Like the small hats no longer want a situation where they have financial control. They way past that now. They've totally overthrown the Republic. This is literally a coup, a total coup where they took a political coup. They actually overthrew the government. Um, and, 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 and what that results in, and, and that's kind of why we were doing what we were doing online, why I was putting these shots out there, letting people know what was going, because we really, at least myself and many others that could see what was going on. We did not want to see this administration come into power because we knew that if we thought the homophile assault was bad before, that this would be 
a carryover from the Obama administration with a nuclear bomb underneath it, because now they've already gotten the basic overall acceptance of homophilia, homosexuality, pedophilia, but they're now going to make it very public and widespread. So they're going to have drag queens, men in dresses standing in front of children, singing and dancing and having the children sing along. Um, that, that we, we knew that we were coming into a very uncomfortable space and we actually felt that it was preferable to have more of the, how do I want to say it? Uh, the white nationalistic whites that we know and understand, quite frankly, who are going to be supportive of the things that happened to Brother Mike Brown in that situation, which is why we were kind of glad to see something. Some people had some issues with NFAC, but we were, myself, I was happy to see that there was some force that came out and said, we're black, we're armed, and you're not going to keep killing our people. No matter, you know, no matter if everything went right, that's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking more at the fact that you had something that said stop, something that said no, something that said we're not going to just be wiped out. So it would have been better to keep that white nationalistic regime in because there were many things that we were able to get in that space and we knew what we were dealing with. Traditional white aggression and racism. I don't like it. But we know what we're dealing with. What we're dealing with now is far more cumbersome. And quite frankly, it, it bled over into this mandated attempt to create mandatory. We call them assassinations where they're trying to give people these experimental injections, uh, which none of us actually know what the outcome will be. But from what we see from the virologists and the neurologists and the different doctors that are experts in these fields, uh, it doesn't look good. It's not healthy. And it's not in the best interest of the country, period. And definitely not for our people. All right. Um, and can you go a little bit into what you see as why they've been pushing the vaccine so hard on black people? Because what I've noticed is, yeah, they're pushing it to everyone. But there seems to be like if you turn on the radio, you know, the black radio stations you stand around and you see uh, stuff on the side of a bus in on the internet you turn on the TV they're talking about the black people and to the point where if you're looking at something you know how there's a space where the local um, advertising comes in you watch something that's national but there's a space for local advertisement and the local advertisement is almost always black people and vaccines that's one thing I noticed you just be sitting there, you know, oh, I'm going to watch the NBA. And then you're watching the NBA and they're like, hey, are you taking your vaccine? Help out everyone. So just um, give me your assessment of why they seem to be pushing it so hard to our community. I think. Um, hmm. All right. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I know I know the answer I want to give, but I'm trying to answer this so that you don't lose your program. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't want to negatively impact uh, your program. So I'm sitting there trying to think how to answer this so that you can keep your station up and this program and people can see it. Uh, let's say I'm going to talk in code. So hopefully this keeps the program up. There's some folks that we were just talking about um, that you all are familiar with. You know me who I am convinced through all the research I've done. They're the ones who are truly behind this. So in my assessment, what's happening 
they're out for everybody. They're out for the white Anglo-Saxon, and they're definitely out for black people as well, and they're out for black people internationally. So <clears throat> they planned this, and in the plan, the assessment was it's not going to be hard to get most of the white folks to get it. Maybe the Republican Party, maybe. But the average whites who do not have access to uh, good information are going to go ahead and take it. And they already know that to really get them where they want them, they're going to have to take it with the guns. They know that. They're very aware of that. And that's why they're trying to. They've already undermined the First Amendment. Now they're trying to undermine the Second Amendment. The problem they would have is we don't believe as black people. Sometimes we don't believe in ourselves. From Tuskegee through things that have happened in our family and going into the hospitals, black men, black people, period, don't trust this government, period, uh, as it relates to medical. We just don't have good trust in the medical industry in this country, just from our history in this country. But in specific, black men do not trust this country as it relates to medical issues and do not want to see any parts of a hospital. We'd be, we'd be happier to go uh, and see one of our family members in the hospital, though we don't want to see them sick, than to go ourselves. We just don't want to go to a hospital. We don't want to see it. It's something in our DNA. Uh, our sister, who wrote Medical Apartheid, uh, uh, can you help me out, my brother? Uh, I know what you're talking about. I, I cannot think of the sister's name, but I'm sure somebody in the chat will they'll let us know. They'll let us know, yes. Uh, she wrote Medical Apartheid, phenomenal book. Uh, she, you know, she, she made it clear to us that we have a history of this and that black men have almost like a, it's almost in our DNA or in our collective memory, a distrust for the medical industry. So what they did was, <clears throat> since they knew we were going to have that, they said what we're going to have to do, Harriet Washington. Thank you, my brother. Yes, absolutely. What they were going to do is we got to have a strategy to make sure that black people get this because there's going to be natural resistance. Also. With films like My Alpha 21 that has come out and really was a huge rage in the black community when we learned about the genocide that was occurring. Again, through the medical industry, it was abortion. It was Planned Parenthood. But nevertheless, it was still talking about genocide and our people having that construct. And then, of course, we put out our genocide. They've come to kill us DVD. Uh, that's gained wide acceptance and exposure. And then any numbers of things have been put out there. Uh, talking about what black people have been going through in this country they already knew that black people would want to resist so they said we've got to send the message no this is not tuskegee no this is not eugenics no no one's coming to do harm to you and we've got to find out every single place where black people frequent and put the message so frequently so often so loud that will be able to counter the natural resistance black people have uh, with the distrust that they have to the medical industry. So that's why every radio station you turn on, every television station you turn on, every newspaper, every uh, sweepstakes they have, any way they possibly can, they're trying to get black people to do this because obviously whatever is in these experimental injections is nefarious, is harmful either represents some form of slavery or genocide or maybe both meaning 
it does harm some type of harm that will have only time will actually tell us for certain and being is that that's what they want to do the last thing in the world that they want is for it not to happen to black people right that um that makes perfect sense and like you said brothers are i mean if you've ever as a brother if you ever you know been in a long-term relationship or whatever and you had any type of health issue if you would admit to yourself that sister literally had to drag you or browbeat you to even think about going to see anything any type of medical facility i don't know if you saw the show that i did with talking about black people and um met the medical industry where i mean it was something that i found where a european had gave an example where a brother had had a um he had a head injury and he went into the hospital and they took his heart you know and basically what the european is saying is more than likely he was he was still alive and his family was actually looking for him while they were performing the um procedure and that's kind of you know that those are the kind of examples of things real life examples of what people go through what black people go through and so yeah that would explain why people are so reticent and why they have to push this thing so hard um you mentioned king d seals and i don't know if people remember uh the connection that y'all had but um we had talked about the brother a little bit on a previous show just go back and talk about how y'all connected it and what happened with that because i don't know if a lot of people actually know that story oh it was really funny man i was i was with a brother <clears throat> a brother invited me in to go to uh um st louis to do uh, a lecture and we went in to do mind your black business i had one of my top soldiers with me and we, we flew out there and we went there the first night we, went, we were hungry so i said let's go to cheesecake factory Oh, that's one of the restaurants I like. So we went to Cheesecake Factory, and I hadn't bought myself jeans. You know, I didn't. I don't buy myself. I've most of the stuff I was trying to get for my children and for our people. I hadn't bought a pair of jeans in a long time. Some said, "Man, you know what? I need to buy me a couple pair of jeans. I, I deserve it." So I said, "Let's go downstairs to Macy's. We got forty-five minutes to wait here uh, for Cheesecake Factory. Let's go down there." So we walked down to Macy's, and this is right after Mike Brown uh, was harmed, and so. I was killed. And so we walked down into Macy's and a young brother walks up, pants sagging down, looking like straight out the hood. Real cool cat, though. And it was Darren Seals, of course, uh, King D. Seals. I didn't know the brother. Never heard of him before. And he was on his phone watching the feminization of the black male. So I'm going to be 100% honest. You know, you know, we, we've all seen eyes on the prize. We've seen all these different things. So we have, you know, that conspiracy theory thing in us when somebody just comes up like that. And the fact that I'm in St. Louis for the first time and we're in Macy's and a young brother's walking up with the feminization of the black male on his phone saying, bro, I love your work, man. What you doing in my city, man? You didn't tell me you were coming, man. I could bring everybody out. So anyway, we went back and forth. I told him I'm going to be doing a lecture tomorrow. And uh, matter of fact, let me just make it a, a, a little bit of a correction. This was our second time coming. We had already done Mind Your Black Business. And we had done Mind Your Black Business, and they loved it so much that 
the brother who brought us out said, I'm going to bring you back. And this was before Mike Brown was murdered. We created the date that we were coming in town and we said we're going to do the genocide lecture because I really wanted to show our people what was going on with all these police murders and the various things that were happening. So we agreed on that. This was before Mike Brown was murdered. So we had the right date. So let me just back it up until this part, because I think this part is an important part of the story. The day we were flying in was a Friday. No, Friday, Friday and a Thursday or Friday. They were going to be making the announcement on that Friday of whether or not Darren Wilson was going to be tried for the murder of Mike Brown. And we had a lecture that was going to be on Friday when they were going to make that decision. And we had a lecture called Genocide, They've Come to Kill Us, that had been scheduled before Mike Brown was killed. So it was perfectly aligned. So I had it perfect, like, let them let this guy off. This thing going to spark, because I'm on the ground now. We already got the lecture scheduled. The brother had sold hundreds of tickets. We were ready to, I mean, we were ready to get this thing popped. So when I saw Brother Darren Seals and met him, I was very skeptical. That was the reason, because I'm like, they know what's about to happen. They already know we have this lecture scheduled. It's all around the city. We have it at a major spot. And they already know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be doing that nice guy stuff. I'm ready for this. So when I meet the young brother, I'm like, is this somebody they send it to us? What's going on? So anyway, um, that's pretty much how we met. And uh, he came out the next day and brought his crew. And um, we kept uh, a relationship from that time forward. Okay. And uh, I can bear witness that 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 genocide lecture, you already know, that's the lecture that I saw that I was like, man, I got to find this dude. I got to find this cat. This this was deep. And uh, anybody that hasn't seen the genocide lecture or um, your recent work, let them know where that they can get your uh, material at. You can get the electronic copy that you can e uh, get it emailed and download to your computer uh, or you can get the hard copy. So we can send it through you to you through the mail, www.waronthehorizon.com. Again, that's www.waronthehorizon.com. It's not going to take you to the War on the Horizon website. It's going to take you to the Social Architects website, but it'll take you directly to the store. So you'll see the different categories, politics and economics. You'll see the sexual agenda. You'll see religion and spirituality. Then you can pick which one you want, go in there, get the electronic copy or the hard copy and get it sent right out to you. That's waronthehorizon.com. And I'm sure our wonderful producer will put that in the chat for us. Um, and and what's the actual last lecture that you actually did? Talk, talk about that, because I'm not sure if a lot of people know what you've done recently. We just did the COVID-19 gateway to the apocalypse. We did that May 15th. Uh, a good brother, Darren Muhammad, was there. Bad brother, man. That's one of the baddest brothers of information in this country. He reminds me of Baba Steve Coakley. Uh, and he came out, uh, but we, we had all the people come out. And we actually did it live from our new website, sbpmu.com. Uh, things are not coming along as fast with our website as we wanted to, but we're going to make some things happen in the interim as we try to build that website and get it where we want it to go. Uh, but we did that, and we're actually producing the actual lecture that we're going to get out there. Um, and we're actually going to go out there and take this to our community because we believe that our people need real information about the danger of these assassinations. People call them vaccinations. They're not vaccinations. Definitely not the mRNA. 
and we want our people to know what they're getting into and we don't believe that there's enough information that's flowing freely like you said every time you turn on the tv radio newspaper or anything else every time you turn it on what we end up finding out is that um they're pushing this on our people so we want to give a counter to that so we're going to put that out in our community all right and what is your assessment of no well first of all let me ask did you see the video that i put together um dealing with pride month and children and if so what was your assessment of that video and what is your assessment on what seems to be a concerted push to introduce our children to behavior that they don't need to be introduced to you know we've been fighting this homophile assault for quite some time we've been telling people that it was coming and we've been organizing to the best of our ability to resist uh and we've you know we we, we've dealt with a lot of uh issues that we had to face in in doing this because in building a movement to stop what i would say is the primary agenda uh and, and now with these uh assassinations eh, we can dispute that but uh prior to these assassinations that we're looking at now and this whole the fauci holes so-called COVID 19 thing with the fauci before that um i think it was very clear that this homophile assault was the primary assault on african people worldwide because they felt as if once they got this done then they, they really didn't have any more contention and concern to deal with black people. And it's important for them to get to the children because they can fight with us adults, but then we'll build stronger children and have to fight with them later. They really are going in for the children. And uh, I saw your video and it was disturbing because it was exactly what we uh, not suspected, what we knew. We said, that's why, um, and I'm not going to get into it much, but, of course, there's things we haven't talked about, but we weren't just watching this election occur. Uh, we got, you know, political prisoners in prison. We got a lot of things that we want. And as far as I'm concerned, we had somebody in office who likes to make a deal. So you can read between the lines. Uh, you know, we had a team of people that said, let's see what we can get for our people. But but specifically from my perspective, I knew that we were facing where we're coming right now. What we're seeing right now, what you did in that video, I knew it was coming and I knew it was going to get worse. And because this new regime would be in and be fully on board, president, vice president and pretty much everybody else in the administration would be 100 percent on board with the promotion of homophilia, homosexuality, pedophilia uh, in an open kind of form, kind of way, because I knew that, of course, we did everything that we could do. Uh, that, that can make sense to try to avoid them getting in to be able to push this agenda. Uh, I saw what you did. Um, let me make a connection because I want people to understand uh, just just how dangerous the time period we're in is right now. And again, I, um, I, I'm not here to be the bearer of bad news. I just want to share some of the things that are happening that most of us know and just connect the dots. So you've shown if you've been watching brother conrad dc radical he's been just really documenting how these these transsexuals are being put in front of our children this whole homophile assault this whole pride month this whole attempt to take our black power fist and associate it with drag queens and gay flags and all kind of queer stuff um 
but also how it's targeting children with this whole process. But I want to make a link so that people can see how dangerous this is. I saw someone put something in the chat that I thought was relevant, and it speaks right to your point. Okay. The person put in the chat that, yeah, we heard some of these uh, assassinations that they're giving people are leading to blood issues, blood clot issues and brain issues, blood clots in the brain. That's true. It's actually when you do some of the research and read it, it's actually Pfizer uh, and some of them, uh, they were saying the heart, heart issues as well. That's true, too. They were also some of them showing heart issues. But for the brain issues, the AstraZeneca, which is not being done in America here yet, but the Pfizer and the Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson have had reports of things that have been happening to the brains in the brains of some people. Now, why am I mentioning this as we're talking about the child, uh, the, the attempt to push this homophilia on the children? We have to ask ourselves a question. We see them pushing these same assassinations on children. Now, children do not typically die from the Fauci. It's just very extremely rare. They get the Fauci like you get a cold. They overcome it. And they keep going on with their lives. But they have a huge push now to push mandatory assassinations on the children. But these assassinations we have seen as being reported are leading to brain issues, brain, brain clots. I don't know if we can call them aneurysms, but issues with brain clots in the brain. Why would you take things that are showing these type of results and put those into children. Well, if they do something to the brains of children that do not kill those children, I would say that that could lead to something similar to some form of autism. If it does some type of autistic effect on children, what kind of access now do pedophiles have to children? Can those children say what happened to them? Can they resist? Can they tell their parents? If these assassinations are dangerous and do damage to parents, what happens when a bunch of the parents are, uh, are no longer able to take care of their children? What happens to these children? I, I, I'll speak specifically to a law that was passed here in Washington, D.C., and let people see, you can kind of see the darkness in what we're dealing with. Here in Washington, D.C., in December, they passed a law. It was actually called the, hmm, the, the uh, minor, what would help me out, my brother? I don't, my, my memory is hitting me right now. It's called the, the minor vaccination law. It's called the uh, it, it's called the minor uh, uh, minors can uh, what is it called when you you can you can say yes to you can uh, you can consent. consent it's called the consent for minor vaccination bill consent for the minor consent for vaccination bill that's what it's called. Washington, D.C. 
the minor consent for vaccination law. Now, I want you to think about this. What this law says is that 11-year-old children or older without their parents' consent, without their parents' knowledge, can consent to get an assassination. I'll say it again. An 11-year-old child, you're in school with them. You can say, hey, you should get this vaccination. Come here, let me give you something. And they can agree to it. You can jab them, and you don't have to tell the parents, which means the parent has no knowledge of the fact that their child has gotten this which means if there's some kind of nefarious or negative result that occurs from this, the parent will have no idea that that happened. Why would the city of Washington, D.C. create and pass a law to bypass parents to stick their children with medical research or experimentation, whatever it is, that we don't even know what it is. We don't know what the impact will be and that the parents won't even know. Except, and again, I can't prove this part. This is speculative. They would have to say why they're doing it. From my vantage point, looking at it, I can't even see a reasonable explanation for removing the parents from that process. Not only not allowing the parents to make the decision because not everybody agrees with vaccination. So some people wouldn't want their children to get vaccinated. But 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 even more specific, why wouldn't you want the parents to know? You don't even want the parents to know that they you don't have to inform the parents that that happened to a child. Um, this in every way, shape and form that I can see the minor consent for vaccinations amendment. Yes. And it was passed. Um, this is this is the clearest design for an assault on children that connects, in my mind, directly with what Brother Conrad was showing you last week, with how this LGBT thing is going past parents directly to children in the classroom, singing songs and all kind of videos, pushing this so-called pride stuff. They're no longer even considering the fact that the parents don't agree with this filth. They're saying, we want the children. And what I would say is, that's why Straight Black Pride was created. That's why War on the Horizon was created. We have to create institutions and movements that are designed to say, no, these are not your children. They're our children. And we will not allow you access to them. And whatever it means, whatever it takes, you know, we're not going to allow that to happen. Yes, sir, brother. Um, and, and real quick, I want you to remind the people because something I've noticed lately, and um, I, t I think I talked about it on the air, but you weren't here. Uh, there are a lot of scholars, quote unquote, on homophilia now. <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of people you know, speaking out about it, but I want you to do two things. One, I want you to let people know how long you've been talking about this. And two, remind people about a situation that we had with, um, when we tried to organize people around pedophilia in New York and how that turned out. 
Uh, well, um, I've been speaking against homophilia and educating people about this since at least 1997. Um, in New York, you know, and honestly, I, this is one I can really say, I really have been waiting and fighting for that day and moment when we could actually create a movement to go in and stop pedophilia in the black community by, by showing people force and then by saying we love our people, we know what has happened to our folks, but we gotta change our ways and, and really going in and showing the children that we love them and that black men and our women uh, but particularly black men, we don't hate you. What's happening to you, it doesn't represent black men. It represents the sickness in our people, but there are men out here who want to stop it. We, I've, I've been trying to do that since I was 15 years old. I've been look, longing for that day. And this was the closest that I think we've ever come to it, that I've ever come to it. Uh, we had a situation where we found out about um, Zulu Nation and pedophilia that was occurring there. And there were two black men who came to the forefront, Ronald Savage, and a brother named Poppy, and they both said, hey, this happened to me. And when that happened, we were up in New York, it was brother Doggy Diamonds that said, well, look, why don't we do a press conference on this? You know, we'll, 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 we'll get out there and cover it. We'll have Sonetta cover it, whatever the case may be. Uh, we'll have everybody out there. So I said, great, we talked to Tazariak, Tazariak uh, of the ISUPK Hebrew Israelites, who in general, don't tend to like black nationalists and pan-Africanists. We don't, we don't share anything in common in terms of ideals or straight black pride per se, uh, which, which is viewed as black nationalists or pan-Africanist viewpoint. Uh, but when we were talking about protecting children from sexual abuse, ISUPK said, we're in, let's go. So uh, we went out in New York City, in Harlem, and we had a press conference and we said, hey, we're going to stop this stuff from happening. We had War on the Horizon, Straight Black Pride, the uh, ISUPK, Hebrew Israelites. We had a bunch of Moors. It's like we with it all the way. Uh, we had um, Christian brothers and sisters, everyday brothers and sisters. We had all these different groups who don't tend to work together all out there in unison saying protecting black children means something. We had police officers. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a great moment. We even had, because they heard we were out there attacking the Zulu Nation, Zulu Nation came. And one of the proudest moments for me, because I'm from D.C., so I don't know, you know, I'm not from New York, so I, you know, you can generally read brothers, you know, you, you can know what's going on when it's going on, but that's not my, my stomping area. And they came and they were they were ready to do something physical. But I looked at one of the brothers and I just saw something in him. I said, this don't look like a brother that doesn't think. He looks like a black man. And so he was talking and talking. I said, brother, do you agree with people molesting children? And that brother just fell back and said, no, nah, I'm not with that on any level. He said, I got eight, eight or nine children. He said, I got, I got a bunch of children. Don't put your hands on my children. I said, brother, then we on the same side. And once I said that to him, and then one of his other brothers looked at him and said, yeah, but he's talking about, you know, the guy that you know, runs Zulu Nation. And he said, nah, that brother said, yeah, nah, I heard it's happening too. Yeah, nah, I've, I've heard that. You know, I've heard from a lot of people that is going on. When that happened, now they weren't fighting with us. And I was proud of that because I said, you know what? Even if our people have been through some things, 
even if it's happened to them, even if they've seen it. This is not our people and we can fight this, but you can't hide it and it's going to be hard. I mean, you got to deal with you got to go through a lot of mess and we got to lay a few people down. But but once you do that, it's not going to be as bad as we think we can really. I mean, there's some bad guys out there. We're going to have to deal with them. But the majority of our people would be happy to know that we institute an environment in our communities where people can't sexually abuse and harm children. That's something our people would like. And it was the closest I ever got because, uh, like I said, we had all these different black groups. We never worked together. And I lost any um, animosity towards those groups at that time, to be quite frank. At that moment, all I saw was black men, black women, black children, proud black people, ready to protect black children. Honestly, I was in an irritated genie's heaven. (laughs) 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 And uh, quite frankly, without getting deep into it, I just didn't expect it at all. But individuals who were there that day working with us and then other groups who are widely respected with a lot of power in the black community that I just did not expect. I mean, when you talk about a blind side, I didn't see coming, man. We had all the groups working together. We had a big event planned to come out and talk about what we were going to do to start getting on the ground and, 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 and educating people about this whole uh, reality of what's going on. We were serious about this. And internally, different individuals inside that, not, not our, our groups per se, but that were out there and that were involved in the process and groups with a lot of power in the black community and influence they began to undermine it and attack us. They did not want us because, quite frankly, I'll tell you what we were doing. And I, I can tell you the truth. I'm, 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 I'm a bit of a scientist. I saw what we were doing. We had just recently really collapsed the energy of the gay lesbian movement called Black Lives Matter by informing our people that they weren't legit. In fact, recently, right, shortly before that, I believe it was right in Chicago, where they were coming out there and some of the brothers started pushing them and knocking them down. Get out of here with that gay stuff. That's not what we're here to do. We're out here to fight for our people. We don't want that filthy agenda. So we were, we were pretty much had created the environment that we're running them off. So now you still had this energy in the streets of people wanting to do something. And we had captured something that was real, that was serious, that could get ground momentum and that was poised to blow through the roof. And so we were excited, but there were other groups and other people who did not want that to happen. I cannot tell you the truth of why. I don't know. I just know that they undermined in some very filthy and tragic ways what we were trying to do. And at that moment, uh, everywhere I went around the country, I had to start focusing on actually physical altercations and we lost the momentum with all the different groups to focus on that particular issue. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things you live and learn, you keep going, but it's one of the disappointing moments as well, you know, in, uh, in, in, in the straight black pride life and just in my life in general, you know, I really look forward to getting out there and saying, stop putting your hands on our children. Yeah, brother. I remember that day vividly. <laughs> uh, one thing I remember it was what, March or April or whatever, but it was cold. I don't know what. And, um, but it was, like you said, everybody was out there. There were some roster brothers that came up. Um, 
roster. I mean, anybody you can think of, they were out there. And I saw sisters actually crying because they were so happy and proud to see black men stand up on that issue. And um, like you said, at the time, you're like, okay, we about to really have some movement. And, you know, we don't have to rehash the history and everything and name names. But like you said, uh, very unexpected opposition in the uh, community kind of derailed that. And it's one of those things that we'll probably end up talking about 20 years from now and write books and stuff. And young people will read it and be like, wow, man, I can't believe that such and such and such undermined such and such. The way when we were coming up, we were reading about the Panthers and reading about Malcolm and things like that. We don't think about it in that context. But when you when you out here and you are fighting against the things that you've been fighting against for like you said 20 years and as you have brought other brothers on like myself other sisters on um you just never know we all we know is you're going to face opposition you never know how you never know from who you never know where um but that's just part of of struggle so you said you said that's your proudest day well, no, let's go back. No, let's let's go back. Because you said something. You said 20 years. Let people know how you really got into the movement and how you begin to focus on the homophilia and the pedophilia. Okay, well, when I was 15 years old, I think the seed that made me want to fight pedophilia was a sister that I knew that was one of my best friends at the time told me what happened to her. And I said, okay, I don't ever want this to happen to another person. So that was a seed. Uh, from that time until I got older, I started hearing so many stories of it. It opened me up to some and sisters started telling me their stories. And I heard so many stories that I was like, oh, okay. Um, then I joined a group called Positive Comedic Visions. There's a warrior by the name of Kush the Black Unifier. Uh, his, his brother Kamari was my good friend. And he told me, man, you need to come on out, man. You on this black stuff, we on this black stuff. Let's help our community. You need to come join and stop talking. So I said, let me come on out. When I met those brothers, man, and saw how much warriors they were, man, you know, and I didn't grow up with my father. So it was a it was, it was a positive impact to have these strong older brothers that were warriors. And I learned a lot about manhood from them. And, you know, they from D.C. I just liked everything about it. And they did not like pedophilia. And they said we got a problem with this homosexuality. It's spreading, too. And I was like. This is the perfect place for me, and, and it really was. It, it's it's how I, it's how I became who I, I became. And uh, brother Kush one day told me, "Man, I want you to go up there and say a few words about things." And once I did it, he said, "Oh, I loved, I loved the way you can speak. You'll be a speaker, brother." And then he just encouraged me to go out here and speak, and that's that's pretty much what happened. Oh, okay. Of course, I know I know the story, and I'm not gonna bring up my favorite story again because I think I brought it up last interview. But we're not gonna talk about a certain church and everything that went on there. We just gonna laugh. We just gonna laugh about it to ourselves. Um, so we are one hour in. I and I didn't tell the people beforehand. Uh, how much time do you have to spend with us right now? I can do whatever. However long it takes to do the questions, I can do. You know. Okay. All right. So what we're gonna do now for the second hour? We're gonna take questions from the chat. So if you all have questions for uh, Brother Genie, just at me and I'll read the questions. And I do see one question from uh, Y Yasher, Yasherelle, and she's 
he or she, because I'm not sure if it's a brother or sister, are asking about um, the people from the East acting out down in the motherland. You know, the Chinese seem to be um, exercising power that isn't theirs. And can you also make the connection between that and the situation that just happened <laughs> over the weekend where I believe a six-year-old child last week um, was shot shot at or shot, I'm not sure, by um, a Chinese, an Asian person that seemed to think that um, he had the power to shoot at black people and get away with it. You know, really... To be perfectly honest, this really is your lane. Brother Conrad, I probably don't know, a DC Radical has a, a lecture called um, Africa versus Everybody. Africa versus Everybody, part one and part two. And he basically says, we don't have any friends. We got to fight everybody. If you're talking about China, I've been overseas in Africa. And one of the things I, I recognize, oh, man, you know what? I get long-winded. Let me just say it this way. The Chinese... <laughs> in many cases, are acting out of sorts. And it's a very big danger zone. But the reality of it is, if you get black people from America or black people from Africa with a little bit of gumption in them and just say you shouldn't be tolerating these, acts, these, these behaviors and acts, let me tell you, our people would do something. That's one of the things that they need from us on the continent, from my experience. The, the racial aggression they more ethnic aggression oriented a group that they don't like and they don't like and they lived around each other for a long time they'll fight but the racial aggression they don't maybe except for in azani or south africa for the most part they just don't have a a rhythm a synthesis of how to deal with racial aggression but it doesn't take much like all you got to do is show them go smack somebody upside the head and show them how you can deal with these people and after they try to defend them and you get them away from that and tell them, no, you got to defend your own people. Don't let somebody be taking your children. You don't know who those people are. They'll molest your children. And once you get their minds right, oh, they'll start doing the same thing. I mean, I, I've, I've actually experienced situations where I heard something that was happening in one country, put it up on my Facebook. One of my friends I had just left in Uganda saw it, contacted a friend of theirs uh, that had a position in government in Kenya, the Kenyans went in, burned down the Chinese store, took all of it, looted the stuff and arrested the person and gave him a huge fine. So it just took me putting that this was happening up online and one of my friends to see that for them to make a phone call. So our people will do something, but we got to start organizing to do it because the Chinese aren't playing, man. The way they're coming into Africa and passing money to um, some corrupt individuals and in leadership it's very startling and it's dangerous because I'm not saying that they're not bad guys because they, they, they're doing some bad things. But I'm saying this. Every deal that happens with the Chinese is not always bad. Some of the things have been helpful to Africa. The problem is this. As long as you have uh, peace be upon him, a, 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 a president, Magafuli, looking at the deal and saying, is this good for us? And if it is signing off on it, then we're fine. But far too often, we have a bunch of individuals who are just in it to get a few dollars for themselves. They care nothing about our people. And then that leads to corruption. And it leads to people like the Chinese thinking, these people are stupid. They're corrupt. We should just come take everything. See, when you, and again, I'm not saying the Chinese don't already have that in them, but I'm saying this when you allow people to manipulate 
and abuse you and you allow it to happen, it encourages them to do it more. And they may get worse than they would have been if you weren't allowing that. And that's what we're dealing with over there. So now if we come back onto this side. It kind of goes back to what we said before. I did not want to see this administration in office. If we just think about this and just make this comparison, it, it, it'll let us have an understanding. And, 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 and an incident that happened this past week, it just puts it in, in a crystal clear perspective. We are African people in this country that's been here since this country was built. We built it physically. Since we've been here, I am not aware of one law that we have on the books now or one law in the Constitution uh, that specifically states that you can't do something to a black person. A specific law for black people. I'm unaware of it may be one, but I'm not aware of one. The Asians had a couple of incidents that occurred. I, I don't know what they were, and but maybe a couple of Asians got killed here or there. But I mean, we're talking about, we're not talking 10 people. We're talking 10,000s of black people that have been, I mean, we're talking millions of, of harm done to our people over the course of our time in this country. And instantly, this administration creates some law defending Asians, specifically Asians. Not everybody has treated everybody right, black, white, no, Asians. So, um, and, and, and the irony of that is that the very people who suffered the most, which are black people, and the Asians that just got a law to protect them in this country, now you got an Asian living in a black community, shooting out of his window at a six-year-old old black boy and shoots him in the arm, could have murdered him. So they get a law to defend them, and how do they feel about that law? They can see. They've been here this long. They don't have laws to defend them. This country hates them. So do I. They can shoot out the window and shoot at our children. This is the kind of the, the reality we're in, and, and it goes back to what I said before. He's an Asian living in a black community, shoots at a black child. Maybe the Asians need to be made clear that that's, that's not it's not good. It's not a good idea because it's not the first Asian to shoot at a black person in a black community. They got a bunch of these Asian stores in our communities. Maybe it's time for us to consider if we need that many Asian stores in our community. And if we have black people who can do the same thing those Asians do uh, and do better and give us better products in the same stores. Yes, sir. Uh, and Brother Patrick asked, does it seem strange to you <laughs> that... Yurugu are trying to push vaccines on black people, but they are not trying to push reparations on black people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll say that seems exactly what we should expect. Anything that will benefit. You know what? Oh, I just caught what he said. Wow. Brother, whoever just said that, that's a brilliant assessment. And I hope you don't mind. I'm a mad jack of you. I'm going to take that one, and when I'm speaking in other places, I'm going to use that. You're right. They're not trying to push reparations, and they owe that. But they should. They love us so much. They don't want us to get reparations. But they love us enough to want us to get. Brother, that's, that speaks for itself. I'm using that. Thank you, brother. That's serious. That's serious. And what's interesting about that is that um, I saw an article where Biden has already told congress to not expect any movement on reparations for black people so he's already saying yeah we're not gonna do anything about about that 
but don't worry about it. We'll make sure that you celebrate Pride Month every single year that I'm here. And let's see, brother, uh, you got ripped off, sis. Can Brother Genie explain the difference between separation versus reparations and what he believes the path should be? Okay. There's a, there's a few ways I look at it. I've never shared this, but I'll go. This will be my first time sharing it. I don't do a lot of interviews these days. I'm doing this one because my brother has been asking me for a long time to do it. And I'm like, you know what? This is my brother. I better go ahead and do this. He's straight black pride all the way, uh, helping right here to run this D.C. chapter. So I said I better do it. But um, I look at it like this. If I was to say, and quite frankly, again, didn't happen. But I've been working behind the scenes as best I can to try to get into some spaces to see if we can push it. Here's my idea of reparations. I don't think I've ever shared it publicly. Three, three parts to reparation. I think they're going to take your channel down for this one. Well, let me just go ahead. <laughs> we can make how, how upset are you going to be when I say this? I need to know because I, I'm just thinking that's why Look, I don't do a lot of discussions anymore. I'll put it like this, brother. If this one doesn't go up, it'll go up on uh, OTW too. So I can let people know to look for it there. And okay. you can all, I mean, it's not like I have 10,000 followers, so I can always make another channel. So okay. go, go right. ahead, brother. Okay. There are three parts that I would do. The first part of reparations for black people in this country would be General Sherman after the Civil War, where black people were the reason that the Civil War was won and the Republic was uh, restored and protected and preserved. It was us that made the difference. Fighting for the Union. Sherman saw that and understood it. He was on a battlefield with black people and made the decision. You know what? They fought. They deserve their freedom. They can go over here to these islands in South Carolina. What are they going to get? They're going to get 40 acres and a mule. They can live in their own space, do their own thing. They can live under the guise of the Constitution, they can be American citizens. We're going to give them 40 acres and a mule to start life, which was great for it because a mule and 40 acres, we knew what to do with a mule. We, <laughs> we knew how to build homes. We had trees. We were good. Then, of course, Jackson jumped right in and took it back. I would say this. We need to have a commission put in place that all you have to do is be able to show and demonstrate that one of your family members lived in America 1865 or earlier. If any of your family members lived here, then you would be eligible, not eligible, then you, once that's determined, then you receive whatever 40 acres and a mule uh, in today's world would be, probably something, a million dollar stipend, debit, uh, credit in your account. There you go. That's one part of reparations. So for the 40 acres in a mule that we told you we would give you, that we reneged and wrote a bounce check, you're now getting your check. If you were here, 1865 or before, boom, here's your check. Any of your family members, every single black person, boom. Number two, second form of reparations. We think reparations, we think about that period. But from 1965, really from 1985 with crack cocaine, 
but even 65, but I, I'll go from 1985. And we know that between eight, 65 and 1985, there's a lot of horrible things, but I'm gonna go to 1985. I would say from 1985 forward with crack cocaine, which was a government sponsored, I mean, we have the evidence now. They brought the crack cocaine in to destroy the black community. Or it did destroy the black community. Whether they, they, They'll argue whether they did it for that purpose or not. It doesn't matter. That's what they did. The government did this. Oliver North was caught. Uh, uh, Reagan was caught funding the Iran-Contras uh, uh, um, in Nicaragua and, and getting the, the, the weapons from Iran and, 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 and all you know the whole triangle of what they were doing. So the bottom line, for what they did to our community through crack cocaine, into mass incarceration and the destruction of black families through that process there should be all kinds of things money put forth to rebuild the black community for black people in this country no matter whether their parents were here before that or not if you're black and in this country since they created something that it affected all black people because when they put in that crack in our community, it didn't just affect black people from this country. Any black person that came into this country had to deal with other black people that were in that condition, which meant you could not easily be from Ghana or Nigeria or uh, Zimbabwe and want to go into the regular black community because if it was crack infested, it would be dangerous. So you had to stay somewhere else. So now you're separating the black community from itself. You're making people who say we have to go different places. So because of that, every black person in some way, shape or form was affected and has been affected and is affected today. So we need all kinds of money. I'm talking about large sums to saying the black family needs to be repaired. We have to bring black fathers back into it. We have to bring skills so that black men have skills to pay the bills. Like my brother Louis Ali from the South says, skills pay the bills. Where are the plumbers? Where are the electricians? Where are the, 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 the masons? Uh, where, where are the construction companies? Uh, uh, where are the businesses and the entrepreneurs? And we need money to go to this. We need sisters that can make clothing and that can um, be entrepreneurs and, 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 and create uh, business establishments and developments. We need these things in our community and they have to pay for it through reparations for the crack cocaine assault and uh, mass incarceration assault on the black family. So that would be the second part of reparations that I would say. Then there would be a third reparations. The third reparations, we do not go to the U.S. government. And the third part of the reparations, we have to go after the small hats. Because not only were they involved in our enslavement, you can read the secret relationship between blacks and Jews, part one, it's clear. They documented their involvement. Not only were they involved in helping to destroy reconstruction, which was a 13 year period that black people had at least a semblance of an opportunity to be American citizens, which was undermined. William Levy, it's in the book, Secret Relationships Between Blacks and Jews, Part Two. But I think 
one of the most nefarious, not, not only did they, uh, gompers, run black people out of skilled labor, but if we look at what they did after Leo Frank raped that little white girl, Mary Fagan, in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1913, how they created the Anti-Defamation League for the purpose, since whites in the South were infuriated with Jews because of Leo Frank's behavior, looking at them as exploiters, rapists, and murderers, the way that many look at uh, Jeffrey Epstein. He was the Jeffrey Epstein of his time. Murdered a little girl. The racist whites of the South, where the black man was being accused of it, actually listened to him. And this is the, the, the racist South. It said, he didn't do this. And they tried Leo Frank and found him guilty. The Anti-Defamation League was born out of that. And they said, we don't want Jews to be defamed. By 1915, they created Birth of a Nation. And by creating Birth of a Nation, they created something that took what Leo Frank really did, which was the rape and murder of white Anglo-Saxon little girls. Created a film with the same small hats playing it, but painted with black paint on their face. And this is when films were new. Why am I saying this? Because... It was not actually that whites were really thinking that black people were going to rape white females. It just wasn't happening in the South. Leo Frank did it. They were thinking Jews were going to rape their children because he did it. And they started talking about that rape and molestation and exploitation in those industries down there in the South. It was the Jew they were worried about doing that with. They took that anger and rage, made a film that flipped a switch in the whites' head and said, Black people are going to rape your children. Black men, look at them. They're going to rape your women. They saw the film, transitioned that hatred they had for the Jews that raped their children and put it on us. And black men from that time forward were being lynched. Black uh, communities were being burned down. We talk about Rosewood. We talk about 1919, the Red Summer. We talk about 1921 and Black Wall Street. We talk about uh, St. Louis and the riots. We talk about New York. We talk about all these places. What we don't realize, it, I'm not saying that whites weren't already racist. They are. They don't like us. I mean, we know that with history. But honestly, the actual aggression and lynchings and murders and absolute complete obliteration of black economic self-sufficiency in this country did not just come from Anglo-Saxon this. Uh, disgruntled abuse and jealousy of black people in this country. Yes, they're abusive. I'm not saying that they, they, they never were there and that they weren't abusive. They were, but never to the extent that we end up seeing our communities get burned down. That was driven by media manipulation of the psychology of the people of this country by the small hats. We fast forward. I mean, it's so much we could go through, but we fast forward to the black exploitation films into color purple into the filth that they're putting on film now we need to look at them and say for the heinous abuse and the destruction of the black image and black economic communities through your films and through your intentional manipulations of the minds of american people you owe us a lot of money maybe all the money you got we got to come up with a figure 
this part of the reparations. America, you got to pay us. You you wrote a check, you got to pay the check. You did this with the crack, you got to pay the check. But you small hats, you're going to laugh at the amount that America got to pay for the stuff that you've done. The bill is higher than you can possibly imagine. And I think those are the three parts of the reparations that we got to look for. And it will require us to sit down and really say, what is it going to take to get this done? But that would be my concept of reparations. Well, brother, I'd hate to tell you this, but I'm sure after people see this, you will have joined such horrible people as Dr. Khalid <laughs> Abdul Muhammad <laughs> and Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad as a teacher of hate for what you just taught and there's another aspect that people don't really realize and you have to really study religion. Not only is everything you said true, but we have to really examine what the religious ideology that was put in place in early Islam coming from that Jewish influence and how that affected how because there, there's a time period after all the original people of Islam, you know, had passed on and transitioned and the power, the center of power in Islam had moved where Islam became very anti-black, very anti-African. And no one ever looks at the connection between the small hats and the Arab slave trade and the small hats and that transition to uh, the transatlantic mafia. Let's just say that they have hands in both of those cookie jars. And that's some history that we haven't gone into. But um, all right, we're going to totally change pace from, from that question. A sister of uh, Black Intelligence says, my question for Brother Jeannie, oh, questions are, where has he been? Will he be doing any more YouTubes? I can answer that. The answer to that is no. <laughs> um, how can we keep up with him? And is he looking for a warrior wife? Oh, she, she getting personal. <laughs> <laughs> and she says his fire, his fire will rain. So I'll let you answer those questions, brother. <laughs> well, where you can find me, sbpmu.com, straight black pride movement, university.com, where we're going to be able to be doing our live streaming now. Some of it will be free, but like if I'm doing something like this and breaking things down, in order to get free from YouTube, Facebook, and not rely on them, I put a lot of money. If y'all had any idea, I don't have a lot of money, <laughs> but I put a lot of money into creating a website. It's just, it's functional and it's a university, but it takes a lot more than I thought with coding to get where you want to. And any change you make, it's for people that know coding, they'll tell you that. And I don't want to wait another three years to get something where you can get access to me. So I'm starting with a, a website that'll be less than, less than optimal, but it will be functional. So when I'm doing, you say you want to keep up with me. On our website there, when we're doing lives, you'll get used to being able to watch them. And then we'll also have things that we do that we put up. You can either watch it live or you can watch it later. Uh, you know, you'll get a chance to watch it. And it'll be it'll be on our website. We already have it up in my personal space uh, on the website. So anybody that wants to be able to keep up with us and wants to know what we're doing all the time, please send an email to liberation at war on the horizon dot com. Again, that's liberation at war on the horizon.com send an email there and say hey could you add me to your email list we'll add you to our email list 
uh, where we can add you to our straight black pride and to a one horizon email list and then we'll keep you informed uh am i looking for a queen right now i'll tell you like this every black man that's not married is always looking for a queen uh, at the same time truthfully and again I'm, I'm i'm open you know but in the moment i'm so focused i'm looking at the potential genocide of our people it's getting closer and i want to make sure everything i know how to do i can do to help advance our situation with our people and my focus is right there so of course the answer is you know i'm always open for a queen that's no question about that a black woman what is a black man without a black woman at the same time right now i'm just absolutely focused on keeping things going and figuring out you know the best strategic moves uh, on behalf of black people yes sir and um i don't know how many sisters you gave hope to after they see this video but you're gonna have to have extra security next time you speak publicly <laughs> now that you let that be known uh, <laughs> my good brother dawood says can brother jenny please speak on the uh rainbow mafia's targeting of children in the public schools and universities um yeah what what they are doing now because we have not built an active black organized institutional resistance to what they're doing what they're doing now is it's an all-out educational onslaught psychologically through the education system on our people they're pushing all i mean right now in the kindergarten they're teaching children you can be whatever you want if you want to be a boy or you can be a girl you can be neither one of them or you can be both of them uh you can change your mind of what you want to do at any time you want this is what's being taught in schools you go to junior high schools uh they start matter of fact at five years old now they, they have a we're very recently, I don't want to misquote because my, my memory is not what it used to be. There was somewhere just recently where they actually made the decision. I think it was Virginia. I think it's in Virginia that they just made the assessment, a decision that at five years old, they teach children at, in first grade, I believe it is. I believe they can teach you about masturbation. Um, what they're teaching in, in the junior high schools is so horrible. Um and then high schools is horrible as well they're promoting and pushing our children into this madness and and it's so bad because they've created a culture where some of the young people i talk to are basically like if you don't play along with the gay stuff then you're ridiculed and you're looked at as an outsider so basically they're not cool and they're not accepted by their peers unless they let boys grab them <clears throat> in their private parts and stuff like that I mean, i've actually talked to young brothers like that uh, and the sisters, it's just, it's just unimaginable. But then when you talk about the colleges, this is the part we're not talking about. And it, and it has a lot to do with the feminization of the black male. In the colleges now, not only are they teaching this as normal. I mean, I, it's, it's being taught in the thread of every course in many cases, but definitely in sociology, it's, it's, it's what they teach. But what would really be frightening to you is they're doing things like teaching people that Malcolm X was a homosexual. I mean, these are in the colleges. I talk to uh, PhD professors and they tell me, yeah, they're pushing this stuff in the colleges. 
And because we don't have that same historical black masculinity to resist homophilia, even when brothers hear it, they just look and go, man, that's messed up. It's like we don't respond the way we used to respond. Um, black men don't respond to the presence of homophilia. Sometimes they do. You know, if you go to some some regular brothers, I know. It, it just it just been there's some brothers who still don't play that stuff in their presence, but uh, we, we we're in a crisis situation. The school system is designed now to create curriculums whose objective is to disgender children, and quite frankly, it's black and white. It's been again. This is where small hat hegemony becomes very important to understand. It's not that I'm saying this for the uh, for the reason that I'm trying to protect the whites per se, or that I'm trying to I'm doing it because what we say is, have you have, are you watching what the white folks are doing to black people? And it's true, but what'll happen is I want you to understand why I'm saying it this way. When a person out there is seeing that this is happening to everybody, your assessment becomes confusing to them. It's like the jabs. If you say that the white folks are trying to give us the jab which they are, you'll confuse some people because some people say, man, I was in line and it was 20 white folks getting a jab and it's only five black people. So what are you talking about? If you say that the small hats are trying to give Americans the jabs, white Anglo-Saxons and black people, now they have to ask, I wonder if those people in line were white Anglo-Saxons. And I wonder, are the hats taking this jab? And is it really the small hats that are pushing it? And then you start looking and seeing who run? Uh, who owns Pfizer? Who's the chief medical officer for Moderna? Who are the ones making the assassinations? Who are the ones who can't catch the Fauci? When you start looking at the science of it, not my opinion, you start going, whoa, wait a minute. And so I think it's important for us to understand when we say they're pushing this stuff on the children, they're pushing on all children. Yes, I'm concerned about black children because I'm black, but I want to be clear. It's a universal construct that they're trying to destroy morality on every level in this country. And they're coming after children of all colors. We're concerned about our children, but it's important to understand. I'm sure there's some other folks that will be concerned about their children as well, which creates a reality that's a little bit uncomfortable. None of us out here, I think you're listening here, are integrationists. We're not integrationists. It's not an integrationist type forum. However, when we see that there's an agenda that's killing or affecting large groups of people, us being one of them, then we take the front line and want to fight for ourselves. But we also have to recognize the fact that there are other people that are being struck with this as well. So if they're being struck with this as well, if they come in and fight it on another angle and we come in on this angle and somebody else comes on this angle, then who's ever doing this gets surrounded and it makes it easier for us. It just makes it easier for us to help ourselves because other people who are already against it and are fighting, we now have some kind of dialogue to say, everybody go in on your own way and we can be more effective. And I think that that's very important. All right. And our wonderful producer asked, uh, how can people donate to you personally? Cash app, PayPal, Zelle. And I think you got ripped off, put uh, dollar sign Io Kibathi. So is that correct? Yes, dollar sign Ayo Kimathi. Dollar sign A Y O K I M A T H I. K I M is in Mary, A T H I. That's 
Dollar sign A Y O K I M A T H I. Yes. Or you can do it's two of them you can do. You can do dollar sign irritated genie. That's dollar sign irritated genie. Either of those will work. Yeah, brother, you got ripped off. Just put that one in as well. Uh, brother Lord Vale, who's been looking forward to this for about two months now, says, uh, what's Brother Genie's thoughts on certain states banning uh, critical race theory? Again, I'm going to come back to a thing that's a bit of confusion. Not confusion, but it's confusion in, in the world. Not the, that his question is a great question. What is happening is this. As black people, we want to get all the things that we want to get that benefit us. So if there's things that are being taught that benefit us, we want them. And any aspect of critical race theory that's beneficial to black people, of course, as a black person, we will be in favor of. At the same time, I will say, we got to kind of understand what's happening because what we really want is things for ourselves that benefit us, not necessarily just things that prick and anger the white nationalists. So what I'm saying is, what I'm trying to get at is, some of these things that we're getting now from this administration, they may have some elements that are good and whatever elements are good that we want, we're happy about. We want whatever element that works for us. But we also gotta watch how things are being done. We're not getting reparations from this group. Like the brother said, they don't want to give reparations, but they want to push critical race theory. Anything that they're saying that's beneficial to black people, I'm appreciative of because I want it to be said, but I'll be honest. What is the small hats objective of critical race theory? Their objective is the deconstruction of white supremacy as we know it to disrupt and uh, debilitate the white Anglo-Saxon American who is really their arch nemesis. In other words, they're trying to destroy the power base of white nationalism in the interest of taking this small hegemony and really reigning in complete control. So they're opening the borders to illegal immigration. Why? Because it weakens I mean, it brings in a bunch of more additional people and lowers the percentage of whites in this country. Am I saying I'm against Hispanics? No. Am I saying I'm against illegal immigration if it hurts black economics? Yes. Uh, but it's not something against me, against them as a race. It's more against, uh, you know, my economic interests. And we got to start kind of looking at it like that. How do you feel about, uh, you know, immigration? You shouldn't be with the, the Republicans. I'm not a Republican. I'm an African. I'm a black man. And if illegal immigration hurts black economics, I'm against it. We got to start looking at it from that perspective. If the perspective of race theory, critical race theory, is teaching that black people have always been black man, woman, black child, and that's our culture, which I'm sure it's not, then critical race theory is fine to me. If critical race theory is teaching that whites are evil and horrible, I'm not going to dispute that. But if it's being done to anger whites, to have resentment towards black people and to get them to come into our neighborhoods, many of them that we're now rebuilding like we did in Black Wall Street and Tulsa, Homla, Tulsa, Oklahoma, like we did in Rosewood. Now we're doing things as a community. A lot of our people are doing some great work. If it's, going to, if it's being designed like Birth of a Nation, 
for the purpose of angering white Anglo-Saxons and pointing the finger at black people to create contention and harm, then I'm not favorable to it because it's what they do. I was never against black people out there saying, do not kill our brothers and our people in Minnesota like they did uh, our brother uh, George Floyd. Of course I'm in favor of our people standing up and fighting back and resisting. I wasn't in favor of the small hats busting windows out like Seaman. Y'all remember him? Uh, and, 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 and throwing bricks and, and laying bricks out there for people to go throw bricks and then that be filmed and it looked like our people are out of control. I'm not in favor of that because their objective was not to stop the murder and torture of black people. Their objective was to destroy those communities and then burn down those black businesses and then they don't have the, the money to get them started back and now they can buy that cheap property and their agenda was to destroy the uh, 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 the regime of the Trump regime. It wasn't to help us. So they're using us as a battering ram again to destroy something that they're trying to overthrow. I'm not in favor of that, but I'm in favor of our people fighting. So I know that was a long answer, but I want to be cautious. I want people to learn caution here. You actually have to be able to look into some of these things and find what it is that you like and what you don't like and where the danger zones are with any of them and where the positive zones are so that we can support things that are in our interest to the degree they're in our interest, but also say, hey, whoa, stop. Maybe that's not the best way to do something or for us to be on board with because maybe that's going to create resentment and hostility that's not going to hurt an Asian, it's not going to hurt a Hispanic, but it's going to take somebody white and point them directly in the direction of black people and do harm. And we do not want to allow the Zionists to do the same thing again that they've done for centuries. I think you uh, covered all of that, brother. I have a question, and it's going to be a hard one, and you probably, probably within the framework of what we're doing today won't be able to answer it, but can you give at least some clues on how a person can identify a hat as opposed to an Anglo? Their name. Um, and you got to kind of learn it because they're, they're not, I mean, it's not a hundred percent. It's very tricky, but here's some general things. If the name is Stein or Berg, they're probably, I mean, probably in this country, 70 to 80% likely that they're a small hat. If their name ends with a color, uh, green, white, black, red, particularly with two D's, blue, uh, colors, tends to be has occupations um stonemen um uh, uh, uh fishermen uh different types of occupations um precious stones stone silver gold um uh, uh, uh ruby you know rubenstein uh names like that a lot of times names that end with man catsman or birchman uh, these types of names. Those are just some of the ways. If, and now, it's, it, if it goes to, if they're Russian hats, then it'll be its, I-T-Z. Uh, what you can do is go online and put in Jewish names. And there's some good sites that come up and give you like from A, you know, starting with alphabet A all the way to Z. Uh, but just some things, that, that was just some short things. Also, double letters. If they have, you know, some double letters, that's one good thing to know. 
Um, Z's, this, they, a lot of times, uh, last names start with Z's. Zimmerman, they like a lot of Z's. But it's, it, it's, it's, it, that's just a, a simplistic way for me to answer it. But um, it can get difficult because a lot of times they hide. They don't want to be identified. So a good example would be Birth of a Nation was made by, uh, help me out. Um, he, made, he wrote Birth of a Nation. He did the film. Uh, uh, D.W. Griffith. D.W. Griffith. When I looked up Griffith, his father was Simon Griffith. And when I did a lot of research, it was hard to figure this out. But it came up that someone had suggested that his father was Jewish. But then one of his, I kept doing my research and a relative who said, I'm a descendant of D.W. Griffith. And I looked into the guy. He was clearly Jewish because he said it, you know, he, he didn't say it in the same vein of that discussion. He just said, you know, D.W. Griffith is one of my relatives. His last name was Griffith. And then I started studying the guy and he was a Jewish guy going to school, doing something, whatever. And I said, ha ha, I got him. It is very likely that D.W. Griffith was Jewish, which makes perfect sense. Why uh, MGM mayor, uh, uh, mayor, uh, 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 Louis B. Mayor would take the film and spread it throughout the country and end up in a mass genocide of black people because it helped their efforts to stop the defamation of their group and take that same defamation and put it on our people. So I'm saying that to say, um, you know, you, you got to do some research and start learning how to find them out. But there's some simple ways, like we just said. All right. I see uh, Brother Crow asked, he said, when do you plan on going back to the continent? And I don't know if that means... I don't know if he's asking, do you plan to go and repatriate or just go and visit? I'll say, you know, I, I go, I try to go once a year. I'm actually going with a brother who's doing a tour to Kenya. Uh, $4,000, fantastic. I, in fact, the tour is to Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. Uh, just one day at Kilimanjaro, but I mean, it's a fantastic tour. Strong brother, bright brother, sharp young guy. Uh, I've been over to Africa with him before. Uh, I, I, I'm going and we have some people in straight black pride that are going. So it's, it's, it's going to be exciting. If anybody's interested in that, then go ahead and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, send the email liberation at war on the horizon.com and ask us to add you to our emails and we'll send you the email uh, information where you can still sign up because it's going to be in October. Um, also, just so people know, if you're talking about Africa, I hadn't mentioned it yet, but some of the work that we've been doing, because I think that was part of what you know people saying. What have you been doing? I can't say the country, but I just want you to you all to take some uh, some some solace in being happy in this. Through our influence with some of our partners on the African continent, some of the nations have turned down the mRNA assassinations. Now we haven't discussed the mRNA and how dangerous they are here today, but suffice it to say. Those are the ones that many people believe are the most dangerous because they change and alter your DNA. And that's a frightening proposition. Totally experimental. They're not really vaccinations. Uh, they're uh, genetic experimental injections. They know what they're trying to do with them. We don't actually know. We can just surmise based on the information we have. At any rate, we are actually affecting policy in some African countries. We've done a lot of things, but I think that would be the most relevant to the conversation we have now so that people know 
we are doing work. You know, we are working with brothers and sisters because we realize there are more African people in Africa than anywhere in the world. So we don't want a big death toll or, or harm to come to Africa with these experiments. Uh, so we so we, we work with our people to help that happen. You know, brother, it's interesting. You just reminded me of something where you were talking about um, the experimental aspect of the vaccinations. I happened to look at a show, a stream, a show um, on one of the streaming services. And it was it was one of these weird European shows. But basically what happened was that the husband had implanted a chip in his wife without her knowing he was a tech guy he was a billionaire and he had implanted the chip in her brain without her knowing and he was supposed to implant one in his brain and they were supposed to be linked and what was interesting that his people one of his tech people was a black woman she's like that's that's not going to work if they turn them both on she's going to die and that was the that became the premise of the show of her running away and um him chasing her and i just saw that one episode and i just, just saw that and i was like these are the types of things that they put in hollywood where they're telling you something that they're either working on or doing you just look at it as entertainment you turn it off and go about your business and then 10 years later this is what's happening so i will find um brother you got ripped off says episode of black mirror I will find what that is and I'll let people know. I'll put it on my Instagram, what the show is. And it just goes to show that as we know, I remember talking to my grandmother about, um, about cell phones. I was watching an episode of Star Trek years ago. They flip open the communicator and they start talking. They, you know, make some noise and they start talking. I'm thinking to myself, this is a cell phone. This is a flip phone. The same way we had the flip phones, you flip them open and you start talking. They, that's what they were showing on Star Trek in 1965 or six or whatever it was. And I remember asking her, I'm like, did you ever think you would live long enough to see this science fiction as what it was then be what people are walking around with today? And I remember her saying, you're right. That's the same thing. And I never thought that that would be something that was going on. So it just goes to show that the experimentation and the technology and melding people with technology is a thing that they're going to do after, of course, they get us to accept um, the transgenderism and the uh, pedophilia. I'm trying to see if anyone else had another question. Uh, BB48 uh, to the war report, I see he's in the building. Um, brother, you got ripped off. Says the irony is the fact that it's science and technology made by Africans. Um, brother Gene, you want to address that issue as far as the technology that Europeans are using, how that originated in Africa and with Africans? What I'll say is there's a book called, um, Black people invented everything. It's a very popular book. I sell the book. I resell it. And let me tell you, people buy that book like crazy. People love that book. Um, I would say, you know, the reality of it is that one of the things we got to, you know, face the facts with is 
a lot of our brilliance in producing things has been taken and using by used by Europeans, particularly hats, but Europeans period, uh, in the interest of building, you know, their empire. And I think, uh, and it's true with the brother, you know, we, we create most things. I mean, the internet, uh, we had a lot to do with that. We created the cell phone technology of how to get it, you know, the phone. And, and so these are things that um, if we can figure out how to create these things and then finance them and then bring them into fruition for ourselves and for our people, that would change things uh, and be a big game changer for black people. Yes, indeed. That, and there's something that we don't talk about when we talk about all the things that happen to black people. Uh, and I've heard a few people talk about the number of stolen patents and the number of things that we invented uh, where someone would either enslaved or a sharecropper and then their owner or whoever gets it and then they profit off of it. I can't remember which liquor it was, but it was some some alcohol that is real popular and they admitted that uh, some obscure brothers, the one that actually came up with the formula and his family uh, brought that to the attention. And I'm sure they just paid them a little bit of change to go away. But the amount of money that's been made by that alcohol, that which is just one example, is probably astronomical. And we can't even think about it because it's something I believe was invented in the 1800s. So here we are in the 21st century. They probably had 150 years worth of profit off of this brother. Uh, Miss African Roots said Johnny Walker whiskey. Thank you, Miss African Roots, because I couldn't remember. Wait a minute, hold up. But somebody else said Jack Daniels. So either or, or maybe both, I'm not sure. So um, that's just an example of how we are economically exploited and continue to be economically exploited to this day. And our wonderful producer, I have to answer her question because if not, you know, my stuff can't go up on her website. She says, what's his take on the Holocaust, on the Holocaust air bill, average of 300,000 coming back to you per year no paying taxes on anything basically uh getting any taxes back they get a check let's see they get a check every weekend from the treasury department okay i'm not even familiar with that brother are you familiar with that i have never heard of that i wouldn't be surprised but i have not mm. so. what i what i will say is this and i've always had an issue with this I've always been of the mindset, the Holocaust happened in Germany. Right. They, they want to call it the Holocaust, man. Our grandparents, and quite frankly, the truth, even the white Anglo-Saxons, we're the people here in this country are the ones that went over there and saved them. So we shouldn't be paying any reparations from tax dollars coming out of here. They should be paying reparations to us saying thank you. We, we're not the ones that was killing them and putting them in ovens. America, he can't, you can't even accuse America of that. America got <clears throat> boats and ships and planes and went, nuked um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and then went in and got on the ground. And even in their reports, when they report how they were saved from the Holocaust, they say it was the black soldiers, the white soldiers were angry with us. They didn't treat us well. But the black soldiers nurse us back to life. Where's the money for that? Where's the thank you? Y'all are rich. 
Where's the thank you for us doing that? And how are you? And now, I don't know if that money is coming from the U.S. Treasury or if that money is coming from Germany or somewhere else. But I do know I always thought it found it strange that they were talking about U.S. giving uh, reparations like, nah, I think that for what black people did, being the ones that nursed you back, I think we should be getting reparations for or not reparations, but at least payments of thank you. We should. I don't understand why, you know, the design is here. The Jews here don't say, hey, you know, the black people did a great job in coming in there and saving us. And because of that, we're going to donate this to black communities uh, of the descendants of many of those uh, war veterans in Germany that saved our lives and dragged us out of them uh, uh, camps with them numbers on our bodies and and saved our lives and nurses back to health. We don't want money. Where's that money? I haven't heard. Maybe they're giving that money to some black people. I haven't heard of it. Uh, I know I haven't heard of it, brother. And knowing how the hats are, I'm sure that if they were doing that, they would be advertising that all mm -hmm. over the place. So I'm just going to make the assumption that that's not taking place. Uh, brother Crow asks, uh, are you still in contact with uh, brother Benny Winder from uh, Westbrook Park? Oh, um, I have not contacted them in so long. Years ago, well, what I wanted to do was get a person to uh, in Straight Black Pride to take the lead and actually have a consistent, organized movement to educate people about what was happening in West Papua. Uh, that's something I desired to do, but we didn't have anybody that uh, was able to do that at the time. So it's kind of one of those things that went by the wayside. Um, but uh, I, I keep up with some of the things that are going there from time to time, but I, I haven't heard from them in quite some time. Okay. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to take one more question because we got about three and a half minutes. Um, I know Brother Jenny is busy and I have some other business to attend to as well. So I'm going to take one more question and then we're going to thank the brother for his time for coming out, dropping these bombshells. And we'll see if the show is still up, um, if the channel is still up in a few hours. You know, last time I did something, uh, somebody messaged me in the middle of the night and said, uh, hey, that show got taken down. I'm like, what do you mean? So I had to do some editing and, and <laughs> deal with that. You might have to do a lot of editing on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, brother, it can always go up on otwtube.com. That's for sure. And the war report asks, will you and Rella T. West be doing something together anytime soon? I can't say soon, but we are definitely going to be doing stuff together again. I, you know, I love the great work that brother T. West is doing. I'm not doing a lot uh of, of things i did this for brother conrad who is straight black pride the next thing you'll probably see me on is, is on uh sbpmu.com straight black pride movement university uh more than likely and quickly brother do you have any upcoming uh lectures and speaking engagements um that you already have scheduled other than at the uh annual convention uh yes if you're in the new york area <clears throat> going to be in New York doing the COVID-19 discussion and actually I'm going to I'm going to have the disc ready by that time so you can get it before then but I'm going to do something different because there's some specifics about New York that I want to really address I'm going to shift it up so it's going to be it's not going to be the same as the disc I have here there'll be things that I'll be doing in New York that'll be different and that'll be on uh I'm sorry you asked me and I want to make sure I give the right date it'll be July 21st July 21st, uh, 
It'll be in Brooklyn, New York, uh, 103 Quincy Street. So uh, we'll be up in New York, uh, and we'll be talking about the Fauci and these uh, these injections and giving our people the information about what we should be considering and why we don't believe that it's the right time for us to be putting these in when we know that we're looking at an experiment. So it's going to be it's going to be live up there. Uh, I, from my understanding, there's not a lot of people going around and putting it out like that uh, to the public. And we're going to do it. And, and it's going to be uh, quite something to enjoy. And then I'm going to be I don't know when, um, but um, soon we're going to be in Baltimore. Myself and Brother Darren Muhammad are going to be sitting there talking to the community and discussing about the same topic. We think that this is priority right now. We need to really explain to our people the danger of the premise of taking these jabs. So we're going to be talking to our people. All right. Well, I know if it's you and brother Darren, that's going to be outstanding. So you already know I, I plan to be there unless something extreme happens. Um, is there any last thing you want to say to the people real quick? And then I'll close out with a couple of announcements. Sure. Are you going to, are you going to announce the straight black love day? Uh, you can go ahead you can go ahead and announce that brother. Okay, uh, next Sunday, um, we're going to be having our annual Straight Black Love Day, and we love black people. So black men, you're straight, black, and proud. Black women, you're straight, black, and proud. Black children, you're straight, black, and proud. Come on out. We got food. We got drinks. We're going to have games and music. And more than anything, more than any of that, which all that will be there, we're just going to have a good time being with each other. Just a good time being straight, black, and proud, um, hanging out with each other, your strong brother, strong sister, good brothers, good sisters, come on out. Uh, we got, you know, game, we got some Scrabble, we got cards, we got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of fun out there. Come on out and enjoy yourself. Uh, we have good music that's not, uh, you know, nothing that's uh, unhealthy, and you're going to enjoy yourself. So we look forward to seeing you also Every year we do our Straight Black Pride Movement annual convention. We're honored this year that it's August 21st, uh, Nat Turner's Rebellion, and we straight, I think we're rebelling now. we straight, black, and proud, so we're rebelling against everything that's out here. And it's going to be at Everlasting Life, 9185 Central Avenue, Capitol Heights, Maryland. Uh, it's going to be August 21st, 2 to 8 p.m., uh, so we're going to have an all-day event, and it's the return of black manhood. We got four. We got Brother Conrad will be emceeing from the beginning to end, D.C. Radical, so he's going to be strong. Then you're going to have four super strong brothers that are going to be coming in and dropping it like crazy. I'll be there. You're going to hear and see real, true, powerful black manhood. You're not going to want to miss this event. I think it's probably going to we're probably going to do it for $20. You can come on out and enjoy it. And we'll probably also do it where we can do it uh, live. I mean, uh, from uh, what I want to call it, uh, uh, live stream. So that if you can't make it all the way to the D.C. area, but you want to hear four strong, powerful black men and a day of just some strong black manhood, we'll make that happen for you uh, through our uh, you'll be able to do it on a straight black pride movement university, SBPMU.com website. All right, brother. Well, I cannot thank you enough for um, coming on and um, dropping 
loads of information that people can't get anywhere else like i said we'll see by tomorrow if this is still up if it's not still up here it'll be up on the otw2.com uh platform and of course if you can't find me here next sunday you know what happened but i'll be back <laughs> under another dc radical one name because y'all know how i do it again you can follow me on instagram at dc.radical the numeral one on twitter at dc underscore radical underscore o n e and also you can email me at dc.radical underscore one at protonmail.com and the cash app is dollar sign dc radical one all one word and you can also cash app our brother and thank him for the work he's doing dollar sign irritated genie so with that brothers and sisters i thank you all for listening don't forget to like share and subscribe to the channel let your friends know and um again with that i say a bb for oda and straight black pride straight black pride so here it is y'all are you tired of being censored shadow banned Shit, are you just tired of creating content and making these platforms famous? Well, I'm asking you to support OTW2. It's the black YouTube. Why, you may say? Because our content is important and necessary. And because anytime we tell the truth, they shut us down on their platform. So we are behind enemy lines, so we cannot complain. We just got to move accordingly, smarter. So since we know many of our people won't just jump ship and go to a black site, what I'm telling you to do is don't post everything that is great on their platform. Give them purge people a 10 second snippet, a 15 second snippet, and make them come to OTWTube and come check you out. Support black things or stop complaining. There's only unity, black unity, and black economics can change our situation. Wake up, y'all. OTWTube is where it's at. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Dian. Cindy Ashley Production. Ashley Production. Ashley Production. Ashley Production. Ashley Production. Ashley Production. On the wake up.